Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name's Ryan. My name's Brent. And this episode, I hope you've chugged five or six cups of coffee beforehand because it's SST 205, The Descendants, Hall Raker album. Really looking forward to getting into this record, any Descendants record, of course. This is the other live Descendants record, too. Yep. Kind of the, the non-greatest hits one, but it's still full of greatest hits for me. Yeah. So can't wait to get into this one, Brent. Yeah, man, me too. Before we do that, why don't you hit us with some spiels? Okay, I just have a few this week. Ryan, uh, this is called 2021 Revisited. These are th- three releases mm-hmm. that uh, weren't on my radar when we did our our best of nice. spiels. I've, they've, I've since discovered them. Are you ready? I was born ready. Okay. Gustav is the mm-hmm. band. Uh, Audio Drag for Ego Slobs is the album, Royal Mountain Records. Really killer, arty post-punk from Brooklyn. You see a lot of comparisons to Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs or The Kills. I don't really know anything about those bands. I don't know them super well. I hear television, some No Wave, and some of the dancier elements of the 80s post-punk or indie era, like Pylon or something like that. That sounds good. Uh, apparently they'll be touring with Idols, which would be just a stellar double bill. Yeah. Check out Gustav. I really like that record. Will do. Okay, here's a recommend for you, Ryan. I think you'd like this. Uh, the guy's name is Pekka Lane. Mm-hmm. P-E-K-K-A-L-A-I-N-E. And the the album's called The Enchanted Guitar of Pekka Lane. Uh, this is on the super eclectic and underrated Finnish label Svart Records. Pekka is a journalist and filmmaker from Finland. He's also a member of a few bands with surfing leanings like the Hypno Men and the Fantastic Four. This is his solo debut. It's surfy, but it has some spaghetti western elements, some real kind of lush orchestration. It's more like some of the stuff maybe the Ventures did at certain points. Mm, that when, sounds interesting. It's really good uh, if you want some excellent guitar playing, but it's also pretty chill. It's not all flash like some surf, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, I do, yeah. Great production, too. Sounds cool. Okay, this is one that, you know, maybe might have even been in my top 10 had it been on my radar. It came out in September, so uh, I missed this one. It's called The Pissed Idiots, and pissed is spelled P-I-S-T, mm-hmm. uh, from New South Wales. In Australia, so another promising new Aussie band from the you know the land of so many greats. Yeah, there are so many young new Aussie bands that are like carrying the torch or carrying the baton maybe forward for all those great bands that you and I love. Like there are probably more great punk and rock bands that have come out of Australia per capita than anywhere else on the planet. Hey, of all time, of or all like time. in the last of all time. That is quite the claim. I don't dare to disagree with you, but that is quite a claim. Yeah. Okay. Uh, The album is called Idiocracy, and it just rules so hard. They can really write a song. Uh, You know, they rock super hard, but the lyrics and vocals are perfect, and the songs are catchy as hell. There's a song on this album called She Yells Jack that's like in the top 10 of 2021 for songs. Wow. Yeah. There's definitely two out of those three I got to check out. Yeah. What do you mean? Two out of the three. Okay, fine. I'll check all three out. Okay, Jeez thank Louise. You. 
Okay, now I, I have... Was, I was always going to check out all three. That's just to get your goat. Well, you got it. Okay, Ryan, book report. Oh, literature. Yep. Uh, Frank Bello with Joel MacGyver. So the book's called Fathers, Brothers, and Sons, Surviving Anguish, Abandonment, and Anthrax. Now, I've <laughs> talked about my decades-long love of the band Anthrax. Yes. I love all eras of the band. They have one of the greatest runs of amazing records in metal. It goes all the way from spreading the disease through to the sound of white noise. Just untouchable. Don't forget about bring the noise. Right. <laughs> I will bo always buy anything <laughs> Anthrax related. Uh, I read both of Scott Ian's books and loved them both, especially his first one, I'm the Man, the story of that guy from Anthrax. This book is another great addition to the Anthrax story, but it's so much more than just a story about his band. It's a story of overcoming adversity and a reminder of what can be achieved through, you know, a really strong work ethic. Frank is just a super down-to-earth guy. Uh, could give Rollins a run for his money in the work ethic department for sure. He talks really openly about, you know, how his life has been affected by his father abandoning the family when he was just a child. And another major turning point in his life happened in adulthood when his brother was murdered. It, it, you know, it might sound cheesy, Ryan, but his story was really inspiring to me. Of course, all the Anthrax tidbits are in there, as well as a detailed account of his time playing bass in Helmet, Ryan. Oh, nice. Yeah. He talks about growing up a young Kiss-obsessed New York kid, and, and how he and a couple of his friends would gather intel on where the band was going to be. This is in the 70s, you know, and, and where in New York, and go and try and meet them, which he did several times as a kid. Gene Simmons even invited him into a New York recording studio to hear some tracks they were working on at one point. Great book. That sounds cool. That's it for me, Ryan. What do you have? I've got some homework. Oh, yeah, right. I was just listening to that, that fall compilation right before we, I hit record here. Oh, no way. Nice. Well, I definitely listened to a ton of the fall this week because you gave me some homework. Hold on, hold on. Let me get a sticky note on my cockatoo quill. <laughs> it's the one thing that you own that's right one thing that's not not on loan the one thing you haven't sold yet that's right excellent all right so you asked me to recommend three to five fall records because you know you need a place to start and you asked me to do this because you listened to one of my podcast recommends the paul and steve hanley podcast oh brother and you also mentioned uh the book that Steve wrote, The Big Midweek, which is held out as, you know, one of the best rock books of all time. I actually started reading it um, since you mentioned it to me. I was going to read a different book this week. Okay. But it arrived damaged in the mail. May I make a quick Brant rant? <laughs> yes, please do. I'm, I'm not surprised this is coming because I got sent pictures of the damage. Yeah, so... We Can Be the New Wind, been waiting for that book for how long? Like a year. I can't wait to read it. But I made the mistake of ordering it off of Amazon instead of direct from the publisher. So it arrived just chucked on my porch in like some loose gray plastic bag with all the corners and cover bent and everything. And I almost, when I, when I opened it up, I was in such disgust. And then I had to, of course, you know, print off a label get it sent back, return it. So lesson learned, order direct from the artist, order direct from the publisher. 
Um, that was so lame. What a letdown. So I needed something to read. Right. I just finished my last book, Sellout, which was excellent. And now it's time to read The Big Midweek. And plus, it's going to take, you know, another month for We Can Be the New Wind to arrive. So I better read The Big Midweek. And I'm about 50 pages in. It is excellent. That is that is on the to-read list for you, my friend. Okay. Now, now, before we get into the fall, how did I get into the fall? Want to know? Yeah, of course I do. So... You remember the CBC radio show Nightlines, Brant? I certainly do. I used to record it on a cassette. Absolutely, man. So you remember it. Very David good. Wisdom. Very good. David Yes, Wisdom. exactly. That was a CBC radio series, which is like the BBC in Canada here, Friday and Saturday nights that would profile Indian alternative music from 1984 to 1997. That's a pretty long run. From 87 to 97. A man called Dave Wisdom, kind of like Canada's John Peel, maybe, he ran the show and he ran it out of Vancouver, B.C. One night, I'm driving my car, of course, listening to uh, Nightlines, and who is the guest? Tom Holliston from No Means No. Oh. So Dave and Tom are picking tracks for this episode, and Tom selects a few tracks by The Fall off of This Nation's Saving Grace, um, uh, one of his favorite records. And it's not at all surprising when you listen to Tom's guitar playing mm -hmm. to hear an influence of The Fall. But that's how I first really heard about them. I was, uh, you know, a kid, a teenager driving around listening to our version of the John Peel show. Now, The Fall is the band that has been on John Peel's show the most out of any band, like oh. live in the studio sessions. Okay. Um, John Peel, a huge fan, lifelong fan uh, while he was around. It, one of his quotes is, you know, the fall always sound the same and they always sound different. Very, very true. So who are the fall? Formed in 1976 from uh, Prestwich, Greater Manchester. They have over 30 studio albums and have had over 30 band members. So it's a very dense and prolific catalog vocalist mark e smith the only constant member he's well known for the quote if it's me and your granny on bongos it's the fall because he's had just so so many uh band members who have come in and out of the band now steve hanley on bass one of the longest standing members for sure but so it's very difficult for me to say you know here are the three to five so i'm going to run through very quickly lightning speed and highlight a few that you should check out, okay? Now, the early years of the fall, 76 to 82, they started off with uh, the Live at the Witch Trials and Dragnet and Grotesque Records. They're great, but um, I really like the fall when you've got Steve Hanley and Craig Scanlon in the band. And so um, I would suggest the Hex Induction Hour and Room to Live. Those would be really good ones um, from the early years, I guess. But the most popular maybe most commercial era is from 83 onward in the 80s there uh, marked by the addition of mark's wife bricks smith on guitar bricks of course named after the clash song guns of brixton now there's a ton of records that come out during this period again one of their most prolific and popular periods there's perverted by language uh, bend sinister the friends experiment this Nation's Saving Grace, that's that's from the era that Tom Holliston was playing on Nightlines. But I would recommend The Wonderful and Frightening World Of. That is 
a top-notch fall album. And uh, some people might take issue with this recommend, but I would also recommend the record I Am Curious Orange. It's actually music that the fall prepared for a ballet, but it's just killer. And Steve Hanley's bass on it is off the charts. It's just amazing. Now, Bricks left in the late 80s, and there's kind of a new era and another string of records. Extricate, Shift Work, Code Selfish, Middle Class Revolt. I'd recommend the Infotainment Scan. I really like that one. Heavy, hard-hitting, post-punk, also some dancey stuff. Um, now, again, I've already mentioned like 10 albums. Assume that like 20 other people have been through the band in this period too, okay? It just keeps going. In uh, in 94, Bricks returns. In 95, long-standing guitarist Craig Scanlon leaves after 16 years. Um, Bricks leaves again. And then there's a whole bunch of albums. Light User Syndrome, Levitate, The Marshall Suite, The Unutterable. There's just a ton. In uh, 2000, um, Julia Nagel quits after six years. That's a guitarist and keyboardist, Julia. Um, and then kind of a new era begins in the fall in the early 2000s. Mark's uh, girlfriend and then wife, Ellen Apulu, joins. Uh, she becomes Elena Smith. Um, she joined on keyboards. And there's some new albums here. The Real New Fall, Fall Heads Roll, Reformation Post-TLC. But in 2006, you've really kind of got a new fall band formulating around a core group of Dave Spur, Peter Greenway, and Kieran Melling. They were basically the fall for 10 years from about 2006 onward. Elena eventually left in 2016. And then, of course, Marky Smith passed away in 2018. Um, but this is the lineup that did the great albums Imperial Wax Solvent, who went on to create the band Imperial Wax. Mm -hmm. um, Your Future, Our Clutter, Erstaz, GB, Remit, Sublingual Tablet, New Facts Emerge. Out of all of that string of records, there's six or seven there. Imperial Wax Solvent, Your Future, Our Clutter, Erstaz, GP, those ones are really good. Now, if you want to learn more about the fall, there's a great documentary on YouTube called The Wonderful and Frightening World of Mark E. Smith. That title is taken from one of my recommends for you, The Wonderful and Frightening World of the Fall. That record you must listen to. Um, a great quote, though, from John Peel in that documentary is, with the fall, you never know what you're going to get. And sometimes it's not what you want, but it's the fall. <laughs> and so when you ask when you ask me, like, what's my favorite fall record? My favorite fall record is the one that I'm listening to. Because I think a lot of people unfairly kind of hear Marky Smith's vocals and say, yeah, you know, it's indecipherable. You can't tell what's going on. It all sounds the same. It does not. Every album is different. I would say some of the strongest records, though, are that last string with the Imperial Wax guys. Mm -hmm. That is a solid band, solid records, solid songs as well from Mark. His lyrics are always really strong, very thought-provoking. And of course, I mean, another thing that people really get distracted uh, with the fall about is Mark's uh, very volatile reputation and a lot of drug and alcohol abuse, which of course, you know, that's legit in the sense that it happened. But you really need to focus on, in my mind, the huge catalog. It's dense. It's very prolific. But there's some excellent, excellent stuff there. There's some stuff that has 
you know, some keys and it's a bit, uh, I don't know, it sounds a bit 80s. Uh, definitely when Bricks was in the band trying to get a little bit commercial-ish, but it's all good and worth checking out. But I gave you, I think, five or six ones to focus on and uh, I definitely start there. Cool, man. Great spiel. I'm on it. Uh, I've been looking you know, at some of this stuff. Bricks has a book out. Mm-hmm. And there's also another book that has like, it's, I think it's like an oral history with a bunch of people, like 30, you know, like <laughs> yeah. quotes from like, you know, as many of these people as the authors could find. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the documentary I mentioned, it looks to be from 2012. So it was really during that, I'll call it the Imperial Wax era of the fall. And it shows some great footage of them in a John Peel session. And it has many, many of uh, the band members over the years participating in it. And it's it's very cool. So I, I totally forgot about that band, Imperial Wax, to be honest with you. That's a good one. I'm going to revisit that ASAP. Really great musicians. And, you know, it stands to reason that it's a great era of the fall as well. Yeah. And I don't really know too much about this, but I gathered from that podcast episode that Bricks has started uh, a band yep. with a bunch of former members as well. I could be wrong about this. I didn't look at it, so I'm stealing a quote of yours. I might be wrong. But I think the Hanley brothers are in the band with Bricks. I'm pretty sure. Cool, man. Great spiel. Yeah. Get into the fall. It'll take you a month. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Let's get over to this Descendants record. Yeah. History Lesson, Part 1. All right, so how should we get into this, Brent? We've had the Descendants on more than half a dozen times. Where should we start? Where should we begin? Okay, well, I'll tell you when we've had them on, and then I'll just give you a very brief history lesson. Right on. We've had them on episode 112 for the All Record, where we had Milo as a guest. Yeah. Episode 142, Milo Goes to College, and 143, I Don't Want to Grow Up. We had Bill on for both of those episodes. We had them on for 144, Bonus Fat. 145, Two Things at Once. And 163, Liveage, where we had Stefan Edgerton on as a guest. Is that all? Uh, Well, we saw him on the Chunks compilation. I was gonna, I was gonna point that out. Nice one. I was gonna give you some comeuppance. Oh, there you go. I, I have it later in my show notes, man. Okay, there we go. Okay, so we covered what was happening during this era quite extensively on the All and Liveage episodes. Yeah. The band at this time was Bill Stevenson on drums, Milo Ackerman on vocals, and the two noobs, Stefan Edgerton <laughs> on guitar, and Carl Alvarez on bass. <laughs> Uh, who joined in September of 86, and by January of 1987, they were recording what at the time was to be their last album, the All Record. Mm -hmm. They did go on a 60-date tour in spring 1987, followed by the 50-date Fine All Tour in the summer. The first leg ran from February 12th through April 10th. The All album was released in April right as the tour was wrapping up, they then headed out on the final tour with MIA in tow. Nice. From May 30th to July 24th. They recorded at least two of the shows. The first one was on the second last night of the first leg, uh, April 9th at Berkeley Square in Berkeley, California. 
unfortunately, the opening bands for this show have been lost to the sands of time, as has the poster. This was before, you know, they hooked up with MIA. So every show had different different bands, usually, right. usually local bands. This show was engineered by Jim Hibbard with Pacific Mobile Recorders. The other show that was recorded was at First Ave in Minneapolis on July 13th, 1987, with MIA and Doughboys opening up. Oh, engineered, so engineered by Timothy Powell and Mark Harder with Metro Mobile Location Recording. I did check with Bill. These were both mobile trucks. Now, I found a listing claiming that Hallraker came out on January 10th, 1989. And I, uh, Discogs has it listed as 1988. Wikipedia says 1989. Who knows? Uh, it for sure came out, as did Liveage, after Milo was long gone. Milo, mm-hmm. told, Milo told me both Liveage and Hallraker were released after I went back down to San Diego for grad school. So I had no involvement whatsoever in selecting the tracks. And remember, uh, you know, they didn't waste any time getting things going with Dave Smalley and all. Right. So I'm guessing, you know. Plane ticket, Alfredo's, all. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> like Allroy says, came out in March of 88. Yeah. So I, I'm guessing both of these came out when all was already active. Mm-hmm. Now, I have bootlegs of a few shows from these tours, and the set lists are pretty similar. They played pretty much all of these tracks, you know, like the Liveage and Hallraker tracks, pretty consistently. Uh, I, I listened to a bunch of the bootlegs this week. I have one from Trenton, New Jersey, where they play in the Enjoy Deep Cut Green. That was cool to hear. Mm-hmm. Totally underrated Descendants track. At the St. Louis show, they opened the show with the Ologistics. I thought was cool. Uh, they do Catalina on a few on a few shows, and you know that's cool because it's a totally wicked song. They do it with this um, amazing tension filled build up, and then they just explode into the song. They also do a totally unhinged version of, of Enjoy at that show, and in the middle of it, they go into a song called Midnight Madness, which I've seen show up on various Descendants boots, you know, like the Bonus Cups bootleg. So so I hit up Milo about that song, and this is what he told me. You're going to like this, Ryan. Midnight Madness was a song written by Bug, Daniel Snow, our longtime roadie in the 80s and 90s. I can't remember if he ever recorded it with his first band, nor can I remember the name of that band, but the Chemical People recorded a version of it with Bug singing. And that would be Bug singing it on the Hallraker tour also. Oh, no way. Now, at the Norwalk, Connecticut show at the club, the Anthrax, they played Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> and then Milo goes, he goes, and after you leave the Wiener Schnitzel, you know what happens. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh. And for that version, they play the song My Tattoo in the Middle, which is another bug song also covered on the 1989 Chemical People yeah, yeah. Seven Inch, yep. "Are You Buttface" with Mister <laughs> Bu- with Mister Bug on vocals. Yeah. Uh, you can hear these songs on the singles compilation also. Mm-hmm. Uh, the now the track on that Seven Inch "Midnight Madness" is credited to human rights violations. 
So I'm assuming that's maybe Bugs' earlier band that Milo referenced. Ah. Uh, they also do the Neg Heist track, Walking Down the Street, on that single. Mm-hmm. The sessions were produced by Bill, engineered by Stefan, and the artwork was done by Carl, Stefan, and Scott Reynolds. Yeah, I don't know how anyone likes the Descendants and all and are not also all over chemical people. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, that record, by the way, Ryan, was released on two inch pecker records. <laughs> yeah. Many of their singles as well. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's the chemical people's label. Yeah. And that just the C D version. There's an LP version of that one too, by the way. Okay. Uh, also, much later, Bug had a band called Bill the Welder that released an album on Owned and Operated, which was the label All and Joe Carducci ran for a while. You ever heard Bill the Welder? I have not. Me neither, but I'm gonna. Yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I asked Milo about the set lists and how many songs they might have had as a you know as an available pool for that tour. Right. He said, we've always practiced way more songs than we plan on playing at any given show. And the set list is made up fresh every night, which allows songs to be shuttled in and out. There are the core songs that we play every night, like Hope, Bikeage, I'm the One, etc. But we like to throw in other fun ones if time allows, especially if we're playing more than one date in a location, like the five days at the Whiskey. We're looking to make each show different because some folks are going to come to multiple shows and they don't want to see the exact same set. We have never laminated a set list for a tour. I guess it's not as eco-friendly to print out new ones every night, but we want to keep things interesting. Trees be damned. (laughs) Uh, So here's an interesting thing I noticed, Ryan. We were talking last week about how the UCO record is an EP at 30 minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. This album is 32 minutes long. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's got, what, a, uh, like 16 songs on it, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Released on CD, LP, and cassette. Mixed at Third Wave in Torrance by Richard Andrews on February 5th, 6th, and 7th, 1988. We've seen Richard a number of times, usually connected to Radio Tokyo, but also at Third Wave. Remember, Ryan, the last were recording their Confession album with Mm -hmm. Richard at Third Wave right after this on February 7th through 21st. So right as soon as they were done mixing this. And wasn't Bill there? Bill and Stefan. Bill was producing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Livewage was also mixed at Third Wave, but it's not, it doesn't say when. So I'm wondering, you know, if this and Livewage were all mixed at the same time. I wouldn't be surprised. It would make sense, right? Yeah, yeah. That's like something Bill would do. Total like that's the that's the descendants black flag kind of ethos, right? Yeah. Well you do it all. Yeah. Okay. Bill told me the band set up the recording sessions with the mobile units, not SST. And that they only recorded these two shows. There wasn't more, you know, official recordings from the from the tour. Do you want to go through these tracks, Ryan? Yeah, man. History lesson part two. Okay, track one, side one, Global Probing, written by Frank Nevetta. This is a track we first heard as a studio version on episode 69, the Chunks reissue. It's actually one of the earliest Descendants tracks as the original Chunks came out on New Alliance Records in 1981. Of course, Ryan, this was our ballot result pick for that release. Ah. We also... Wasn't it on Bonus Fat? 
as well? Yep. Yeah. Yep. We heard it on Bonus Fat and Two Things at Once. Oh, right. We did not pick the uh, song with the <laughs> apple sizer on it. <laughs> Remember that song? <laughs> Gone chunks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, at the beginning of this song, you can hear Milo, you know, this is the beginning of the record. This is how the record starts. Yeah. We're recording. He's, he, he's spieling it, right? Yeah. He goes, recording this live. You guys, if you guys want to make a lot of noise, you can. If, if you want, I left a shit for you in the back bathroom there. If you want that too, you can go back and get that. <laughs> Some guy yells, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think he goes, start off with a little metal. Work yep. our way into it. Catch a groove. Yep. <laughs> Here's what Milo told me. Here's a tidbit. That's his word. He goes, here's a tidbit. And then he goes, Bleh. At the start of global probing, I'm talking about a shit I left backstage. But what I forgot to mention is I didn't leave it in a toilet, but in a Dixie cup. Oh. That's how I could offer it up to people in the first place. Better that than bring the cup on stage, which I also did a few times during that period. Yeah, the bathrooms in those punk clubs were frightful, and sometimes you had to get creative. Oh my god. Now, Ryan, I love this song, and I love this version. This entire album, I was just digging it so hard this week. Mm -hmm. it, it's a weird one for me. I guess I'm guilty of, you know, the whole The Other Live Descendants album thing. I, I know, uh, look, I know Liveage way better than this one. Yeah, I, that, I but that doesn't mean this isn't a good one, right? No, it's a great one, man. This yeah. is like easily probably my least listened to Descendants album. I've owned it for many, many years. Mm -hmm. I've probably even heard Live Plus One more than this. And I really can't say why that is. Yeah, it is the oft maligned Live Descendants album because I think it doesn't have as many hits, but it's still killer. Yeah, I'm. As we go through this, I'm going to challenge that notion too. Well, me too, because I mean, some of the, some of the non-hits, on this record are like hits for me, like Christmas Vacation, for example. Like that's not what people think of, but it's one of my favorite Descendants tracks. Yeah. Well, this has some, you know, what most people would consider the hits too, though. Some of them, for yeah. sure. Like Kabuki Girl, Good Good Things. I got you. Yep. Okay, My World is a Milo song. Now, Milo had mentioned to me that there are several songs on this record that he likes way better than the studio versions, like oh, no. Pep Talk and Cheer. Oh, I love Pep Talk on this because, well, we'll get, we'll get there. Yeah, those are two that he singled out that he prefers these versions. I included this one as being a cooler version uh, for me, and I asked him about writing it. And he goes, yeah, my world turned out better live than in the studio. He goes, I wrote it on ukulele while I was down at UC San Diego, hence the university reference. Mm. I was in my first year there and feeling pretty isolated, so my reaction was to withdraw into myself, and that's what I was writing about. I was telling everyone to stop knock, knock, knocking on my metaphorical door, like leave me alone. Mm. Well, don't forget how they wrote grow up too right yeah. wasn't it like unamplified in a bedroom and, and recording in two weeks yeah really you know? fast yeah. yeah so fast so i mean it's not surprising to hear that it's not your favorite version yeah yeah now 
I'm not sure what I would have said about the studio version on our I Don't Want to Grow Up episode. Um, but like you said, you know, they, they learned all that material in a two-week period without being amplified. Uh, I believe they had lost their rehearsal space mm-hmm. and then recorded it. Now, I know that album is a classic, but for me, I listened to the studio version in this one back-to-back this week, and this version, for me, annihilates it. Really? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what rules on this song for me is Bill Stevenson's ride cymbal. Yeah. Just rules on this song. Pretty cool that Milo was riding on a uke this far back, too. He was already getting some rebuke. Yeah. (laughs) My world is my mind. I'm locking myself inside. I love what Stefan did with the guitar playing on this. He, He basically beefs up for me what Ray Cooper did on the original. Like mm-hmm. he does those killer adolescence chords at the end of the chorus. Oh that's, yeah. That's what I call them anyways. <laughs> okay, then we've got Hurt and Crew with Motley Crew Dots. This is Milo on music and lyrics, Doug Carrion, Ray Cooper, and Bill also contributed to the music. Now, I'm sure I've mentioned this, but Enjoy was my main Descendants album as a teenager, along with Liveage and Summary. So I have a total soft spot for that album, Enjoy. And I've always loved this song. Uh, I love the downpicking, the way Bill plays the accents on the offbeat. You know, mm-hmm. like the... Dink, 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 yeah, oh yeah. Most bands wouldn't do it that way. Uh, and I bet we talked about this a lot on Live Liveage, but I... I just love the way Milo changes things up live, like the lyrics and melodies, all of it. This song has one of my favorite examples of that with the midsection. The I am better than you. You are a piece of poo. <laughs> you, you have to sing that part every single time it comes mm-hmm. up. Now, I know the story has been told before, uh, but I got Milo to tell it to me directly, so... Now, here's Milo on the origin of the famous 1420 part. He goes, my, my high school friend, Roger, and I believe this is Roger Deverlane, the original creator of Milo. Mm. If I'm remembering right, I'm pretty sure he's in the, in the filmage documentary. Uh, my high school friend, Roger, wanted to go to West Point, so he knew he had to ace the SAT, which he did. He got a 1420 he knew that score would get him into West Point, and the day after he found out his score, he paraded around school wearing an army helmet with 1420 stenciled on it. But that wasn't enough. He also wrote this little song, 1420, I am better than you, you are a piece of poo. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, and when I wrote Hurt and Crew, I decided to use his song for the bridge. In terms of the theme of the song, failure, and the things your peers say to you when you fail, it was a good fit. Where are you on Hurt and Crew, Ryan? It's, I mean, it's probably not one of my favorite Descendants tracks, but I do love it, and I do love it on the Enjoy record. Yeah. It's, you know, it's really, really metal-ish for me, and that's just not my, that's not the area that I gravitate toward, but I do love it. Yeah. Okay, the next track is Hey Hey, a Tony Lombardo song. Studio version is on the Fat EP. Uh, So we've heard this on Bonus Fat and Two Things at Once, and we'll be hearing it again in seven episodes. Nice. 
I think Tony was influenced by the Ramones, at least his songwriting. This is this one definitely has some Ramones vibes. Yeah. Uh, another Tony one is next, Kabuki Girl, studio version on college. Another with a bit of a Ramones influence, like Don't Say Sayonara, I Want to See You Tomorrow. Oh, yeah, with the, uh, the Joey Ramone-esque vocals. This is an all-time classic, though. Yeah, for sure it is. Uh, then we've got the song All, written by Bill Stevenson and Pat McCusatin. Now, I swear this is the exact same All that opens the Liveage album. <laughs> I mean, it's one second long, so there's not that many variations, I s- suppose, on it. But still, they would have only recorded this twice, right? Because they only recorded two shows. So there's a 50-50 chance that this is the same one. Yeah, there's also arguably a greater than 50% chance that they played it every single show and it sounds the same every time. Yeah, well... <laughs> I've got further proof coming up, though, that this is oh, the same. Oh, shoot, shoot. You did. You set me up. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> okay, and then we've got Pep Talk. Uh, lyrics by Bill and Milo. Music by Milo. An underrated classic, for sure, from the All record. I'm sure I said this at the time, but this song always makes me think of The Misfits. Oh, yeah, with the floor tom and stuff? Uh, I think it's the Since Your Baby Left You line. Oh. like. It's a little 50s saw cop sounding. It is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I said this during the all episode, but that this is my favorite version almost entirely because of what my when Milo says, you know, when the toms are going pep talk, you know, before mm-hmm, the yep. the song kicks in. I just love that. Stefan Solo is very Stefan Edgerton. Love it. That it's great. That melody that he plays. Track eight on side one is Jealous of the World, a Milo song. So we had Milo on for the all record, which this is off of. Mm-hmm. I can't recall what he said about it, but I'm sure he told us, you know, what he was thinking at the time. Uh, love the how he comes in on this song. Jealous of the World again. Mm-hmm. Love the lyrics. You belong to a useless subset. <laughs> the one that's not me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's some really cool like harmonic feedback that Stefan throws in when you know when the band drops out during this part this is just such a cool song it's and, weird man yeah. it's a weird song it's wicked that Milo wrote it like I was thinking how insane is it that every single person who's ever been ever in this band wrote Ama- and amazing songs too. oh yeah Every single one of these dudes are responsible for writing all-time classics, like and completely by themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they they co-wrote too, but like, look, Milo wrote "Get the Time" by himself. Bill has written too many to count, but one that always stands out for me that could have or should have been a number one hit single is "She's My Ex." Like, oh, yeah. what an amazing song! Which Car- is an all so- all song. Yeah, Carl Alvarez wrote "I'm the One." You know, yeah. Stefan wrote Everything Sucks, Tony wrote Suburban Home, Frank Nevada, I'm Not a Loser. The quality of output is just insane, and it's one of the things that just makes this band so special. Oh, yeah. There's nary a dud yep. amongst them. Yep. We're done the port side now. Yeah. Over to the bow. Starboard side, man. Okay, the stern? What? You're testing my, not, my nautical 
<laughs> in my nautical knowledge, it says on the record side one is port side and side two is starboard side. Oh, I didn't know. I have the CD. I didn't know that. Oh, I've got the well, I've got the record. Does it say that on the LP? I'm looking at the back cover here. Yeah. Oh, so you didn't even know what the heck I was talking about? No. No. Oh. It doesn't say anything like that on the CD. Okay, 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 okay. Bygones, bygones. Okay. But hey, look, on the record, side one is called port side, and side two is called starboard side. There mm. you go. That seems like more like something Watt would do on one of his records. Yeah, but I mean, look, they all grew up on the water. It's true, yeah. Okay, side two, Christmas Vacation. Bill and Milo wrote this one. Another one from Grow Up. Here's what Milo told me. Bill had written the music, and I came up with the lyrics and melody. I think it's the only song we ever wrote that way, so it has a special place in my heart. Pep Talk, by the way, is the only Descendant song where the opposite is true. I wrote the music, and Bill wrote the words, with an assist from me. So also a special one to me. Christmas Vacation is a true story about the crumbling of my relationship with the same girl I wrote Hope about. We had typical relationship troubles, and it came to a head over the holidays at this party. I'll spare you the details. It's all in the song. Mm. So, Ryan, yeah. I, that got me thinking. There's actually this really cool thing on YouTube called Descendants Go Acoustic. Have you seen that? It's pretty new. I have not. Okay, it's Stefan, Carl, and Milo, and it's a short acoustic set sponsored by Taylor Guitars which is an acoustic guitar company, I think. They're playing these acoustic Taylor guitars. Anyways, it's in a studio. Mm. Uh, they open the show with Hope. Stefan just kills it on backing vocals. Uh, they do a little spiel after each song, and Milo talks about Hope, uh, about how it's the first song he wrote for the band. He didn't have lyrics yet, but when he played the music for Bill, Bill said, that's cool, it kind of inspires Hope. So that's what they started calling the song the song that inspires hope later uh. just shortened to hope. So Milo's talking about how he wrote, you know, wrote the song for his girlfriend at the time. And he goes, who was soon to not be my girlfriend. And then he goes, and the person she left me for was at the show tonight. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they also play, uh, like the way I know off of uh, ninth and Walnut and they, Tell a cool story about that one. Yeah. Or check. the Blasting Room comp. It's on there too. Yeah, right. Yeah. So check that out. Yeah. I mean, I love this song, Christmas Vacation. This is, you know, one of those ones where this is not my favorite version. I prefer the album version, mostly because near the end of the song, Milo gets a little lazy on his vocals, if I can put it that way for me. Uh, I really like the guitar intro with the minor chords on this one. Uh, and then it's not listed on the jacket, but they do another all at the end of this one. So there's your proof, Ryan. What? It's a different version of the song all that they throw in at the end of Christmas Vacation. Look, just because there's two versions of all on this record does not mean the first version is the same as the one on Liveage. It has That's... to be. It has Why? to be. Well, Why? Unless they played it more than one, once per show. They may have. Because they only recorded two shows. Ah. You listened to the the first song on the Liveage <laughs> album and that version of All and tell me it's not the same. I'll defer to you, man. It does. It's all good. Get I'm, it? Yeah, it's all good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to oh. leave that one to our listeners. They'll hear it and they'll back me up. I'm pretty confident. Oh, come on. 
It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I Like Food by Bill is the next song. Another of these caffeinated bursts from the fat EP, etc. Yeah. I'll, I'll always love this song and sing along to it every single time. Yeah. I don't, I don't care how juvenile it is. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got Iceman. Milo wrote the lyrics uh, and music by Stefan. Here's one of... So this is one of the ones Stefan brought with him when he joined the band. Oh, yeah. You, know, you the, can tell. Yeah. It's so, it's so technical. Yeah. So uh, Milo put some lyrics to it. So if you put this record together with Liveage, I mean, like, all the songs together, interesting to note that they were playing the entire all record on this tour, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a few, uh, like... Uh, uh, impressions and the two CD bonus tracks, Schizophrenia and Uranus. Maybe they did play them elsewhere on the tour. But other than that, the entire All record is on these two albums. Mm-hmm. I like how Milo ends this song too. He's not necessarily an ice man. He could just as easily be an ice woman. <laughs> All right, the next one is Good Good Things. Another Bill classic. This is one of my all-time favorite Descendants songs. Top mm-hmm. fiver for sure for me. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, it's off of the Grow Up album, and we picked it as our ballot result for that one. Mm-hmm. This version is actually a little more driving than the original. Uh, it's a killer version. This song just gives me the feels every time. This is just one of those songs where Milo's amazing voice just kind of shines through. Yeah, Carl's backing vocals on this track are awesome too. They're buried in the mix, but when you when you listen with headphones on, you can hear them. Carl's backing vocals are really coming out. Yeah, that's why I singled out Stefan on that acoustic session with his backup vocals. Carl doesn't even do backups. And I always think of Carl as kind of the, the backing, vocalist. backing vocalist guy. Yeah, me too. Yep. Uh, track five is Cheer. Back-to-back Bill Classics. Yeah. This one's from Enjoy. Uh, what can I say about this song? Great live version, again. Uh, puts down the notion for me that this album is just all cast-offs, you know? Yeah, me too. Uh, there are for sure people listening to this who, you know, happen to get this one instead of Liveage, and this is the record that's tattooed on their brain, like right. that one is for us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then we've got two back-to-back bursts. Rockstar, a Frank and Tony song, and No FB, a Milo song. These are just 30-second blasts of pure punk rock. They're back-to-back on the Grow Up album as well. Mm-hmm. And I think they played them back-to-back like this on the tour, at least on the bootlegs that I have. Track 8, Camage, a Bill song. You know, and man, as I was sitting here writing notes for this, I just have to say this record... For me, maybe has just as many as what we'd consider hits as Liveage does. Mm-hmm. Like this one's from the All record. I'm sure we seriously considered it for the ballot result for that one. We ultimately went with Clean Sheets, by the way. Of course, but here's the thing, right? When this record is coming out, okay, many of the songs on this record are not yet classics. Yeah, that's true. The tracks on Liveage, many of those already were. That, I think, is maybe the distinction. When you read Bill's notes on the back, that's probably what he's getting at. I'm just guessing. Yeah. And I can't remember which of the two shows. I think the Berkeley one was recorded before the all record even came out. 
So some of these songs, like Cheer, for example, or no, not Cheer, uh, this one, Camage, you know, people hadn't even heard yet. Yeah. They couldn't sing along to all the words yet. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Okay. Uh, there's a little spiel on the back of the record, Ryan, about the title. <laughs> Do you want to hit us with it? Yeah, I mean... There is a, a spiel. It's basically a definition. And then there's a big spiel from Bill on here. The definition of Hallraker, though, it's typed out like a dictionary definition. And it has five, you know, explanations. Number one, audience repellent. Yep. Number number two, seventh encore. Number three, an unrelenting musical performance resulting in Exodus Maximus by all audience members. Number four, the album you're holding in your hand. And number five, see all. Okay. So I have a little spiel from Milo. He said, Hallraker is when the band plays so loud or long or bad that everyone in the audience just leaves. Exodus Maximus. Yep. During our experimental all phase, this was a long running joke for us as many people maybe weren't ready for Iceman and Schizophrenia. My guess is we first referred to Hallraker during the song Ologistics because of all our songs, that would be the one that may, that might cause people to flee the building. <laughs> uh, a, well, like you said, that was a new one too at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. A milder form of Hallraker would be reverent silence, which is people's <laughs> typical reaction to the Ologistics. <laughs> we don't play that one anymore. He said, that makes me sad, by the way. Really? When I, saw... I love the Ologistics. Oh, no way. Two times ago when I saw them, they played it. One of my favorite scenes in Filmage is the one where they have their kids up on stage. And yeah. They're, they're doing the Ologistics. They had kids on stage the time I saw them in Edmonton, Alberta. Sometimes I feel like our podcast might be a hall raker. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say that? I don't know. So Carl's artwork is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, this is my old dude's covering his ears because he can't stand the music. It's a hall raker. It's styled as like a a road sign, right? As you were just holding up the LP, Ryan, it got me thinking, because I only have this on CD and cassette, by the way. But it would be cool. I bet you there was kids that had that on their wall, like a skew, like a, like oh, yeah, a road like, sign. Like a road sign, for sure, because that's yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. Does it have dead wax, Ryan? Mine does not. Okay. And I don't I don't know. Did it ever? Because, I mean, maybe I've got like a, a lame pressing or something. Mine does not. Okay. I'm pretty sure mine is like, I don't know. I feel like this is a pressing from the 90s. Do we need some Spaceman spielage, Ryan? Only if you've got some, because I don't. Is there none in the catalog? There is none in the catalog. Damn, man. See, see, we're at the era where it's hit and miss, I would say. It's got all and liveage. There is no Hallraker in this catalog, so it's too bad. We just have to live with the massive spiel from Bill on the back jacket here. Yeah, that's pretty good. Any highlights from that, Ryan? Uh, I mean, a lot of it we have kind of went through in the past on the show or is covered in um, the filmage documentary, I would say. Yeah. When you go through this, 
it explains, you know, the formation of the band, Tony leaving, um, Doug coming in, Carl, Stefan. Um, it talks about Bug and Gooch. There are two crew members, which is cool. Yeah. It's basically uh, a history of the band, hey? Mm-hmm. Yep. And here's where, you know, we keep referencing the other album. This is what Bill said here. Hallraker will be thought of as the other Live Descendants LP. The Live Edge LP served as sort of a greatest hits album, as well as being an accurate documentary of the band in concert. But at the request of our fans telling us about all the songs we should have put on Live Edge, we decided to release another album with a completely different set of songs. Huh, Brant? A completely different set? Uh, giving people the entire view of the band with nothing held back. Hallraker was recorded partly on April 9, 87 at Berkeley Square, home of the Silly Girl, and partly on July 13, 1987 at the First Avenue in Minneapolis during the last week of the final Descendants tour. And then it says, listening suggestions, drink five or six cups of coffee beforehand. We did. Drink a couple more. The bass master will change you, Ryan. Uh, yeah, this has got all the descendants-isms on it, too. Like, mm -hmm. the eternal quest for all continues. Thou now shalt not let anything deter you in your quest for all. Love it. I love how they played the First Avenue in Minneapolis. We've been there a few times in the last uh, six months or so on the podcast. I think the bulk of Liveage is from that show. Or all of it, I think, actually is. I think this controversy with the song All might, you know, be the the biggest argument we've had on here since the My War Puppet. <laughs> yeah, well, you might actually win this one. So there. That's fine. We're Then we're tied. Yeah. Then we're, then we're tied. There you go. And we restore balance. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Uh, ballot result? Yeah, man. Ballot result. All right. We love all of this. All the songs are great but I'm going with pep talk or cheer. Well, I, I had listed my world hurt and crew pep talk, jealous of the world Christmas vacation. I had to put good, good things on my list, you know, but we already picked the studio version mm -hmm. cheer and Cambridge. And I singled out cheer because Milo list lists it as one that he prefers this version of. Okay, let's do it. That's three, three yeah. votes for cheer, man. It's going to be so hard, you know, when we get to mob cleanup on summary to pick our last song, you know? Ah, they're all good. They're all good. They're all good, man. Yeah. Ryan, thanks to Milo for pitching in and Bill. I got a few things from him as well. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. Like nothing gives me more pleasure than learning these little factoids on songs that I've held so near to my heart for so many years. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things I think we've ever learned on this show is that the song Van came out of them joking around in the van to that song, Here in My Car. <laughs> <laughs> Here in my car. Yeah. Do, 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 do. So, you know, hearing about Milo shitting in a Dixie cup truly made my week. <laughs> Uh, well, there's a quote. <laughs> <laughs> they upgraded on the next tour, hey? What what do you mean? Well, they got a they got a what what's the live album called? They got a Trailblazer. Oh, a Trailblazer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
for all. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Upgraded. I thought you were talking. They upgraded I thought, from a Dixie cup to a trailblazer. Well, no, I was gonna say, I'm like, what do you mean? Like they they upgraded from a Dixie cup to what? A super big gold cup? What are you talking about? <laughs> all right, Ryan. What's next week? Ah, next week, man, another good one. We're going back on this one to Angst. It's SST 206, the Angst LP, Cry for Happy. Yeah, and we've got a special guest. Andy Caps is on the show. Nice. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at MoJackPod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.